0: Michael Taft, welcome to Simulation.
1: Thanks, Atlas. Happy to be here.
0: Super excited for this episode talking about deconstructing yourself, something that I can say through my experiences at the cornerstone of uh, realization. And I feel like it would be good to perhaps start with you on what I've been sort of calling like an identity vortex of sorts. Um, do you see, um, identity and, uh, name and, um, all of our, uh, likes and dislikes, our, uh, cravings and our aversions, um, do you see that all playing into, um, the mind and playing into the mind, making a lot of noise and then, um, when it's difficult to then quiet the mind um that's what then makes it difficult to realize what one's true nature is so do you sort of see like an identity vortex like that that has a lot of noise it has a lot of name it has a lot of um uh, sort of following the buddha's uh, dependent origination
1: yes i mean that's it uh if you it's funny you're using the vortex image if you go there's a video of me talking at the Science and Non-Duality Conference from about 2012, where I have a I have a slide of a vortex and uh, show how, for example, verbal type thinking and visual thinking and various emotions and and cravings and body sensations and so on, all kind of swirl together into this vortex that kind of pulls attention in, um, and you know, this is of course a uh, the idea that that has a kind of magnetic pull that, that keeps drawing us in, drawing us in, and drawing us, in and, and, um, uh, drawing us away from our, uh, let's say, true nature, uh, of course, is a pretty standard understanding, right? And I think it's very accurate.
0: yeah because it is really a confluence or uh amalgamation of sorts of uh yeah of identity and of uh sensation and of um just a lack of awareness and a um just a a overlooking of uh, of consciousness and overlooking of of um uh, like the power to know overlooking, uh, something that's so, uh, yeah, like indescribably here. And that is, uh, yeah, it's just so overlooked and it's, yeah, it's a vortex of all that stuff, identity, sensation. Um, and so then do you, when you walk people through, um, sort of deconstructing themselves, um, where do you usually uh, see the majority of people like liberating themselves with seeing that freeze?
1: Yeah, so it's no um, surprise that uh, people overlook um, the awareness component because the awareness component in a way, to use a really clunky metaphor, is like the light in a room, right? You've got this big empty room there's, and there's bright lights in it. And um, what everyone is paying attention to is all the stuff that comes and goes in the room. The different furniture and the different people and the different animals, um, you know, pets and so on uh, that come and go from the room and the clothes they're wearing and all that. And because that's the changing part, that really captures our attention. Um, And because it's been so long since we noticed any time when that, or to put it another way, the room is never blank unless we're asleep and uh, in deep sleep. And most of us don't notice that. And so it's become such a given. It's just become such a normal background. It's like the fish and the water problem. So it's very hard to remember to notice. It's just like pages of a book. <clears throat> uh, whether you're doing a Kindle book or a physical book, um, when was the last time you actually looked at the page itself, the like the paper, the white paper between the letters? Uh, probably a long time, because you've just come to assume that page is there and forget that it's actually the uh, fundamental and completely necessary substrate for the letters to exist Um, and so even though it's incredibly important you couldn't have a book without it um, in one way it's the most important part it's very easy to overlook it's very easy to forget Um, and instead pay attention to just the letters and the words or uh, to leave the metaphor pay attention to just our thoughts just our emotions, just the stuff that's coming and going in our sight and vision our sight and hearing in our body and so on. Really get focused on that and forget what's focusing. What is that, that fundamental experience itself, right? The fundamental fact of experience. Experience with no uh, clutter at all. Or uh, if we get if we even experience with clutter, but noticing the awareness, right? That's very, very important. And yet super easy. I never, super easy to not notice. I never uh, think less of someone for the fact that they don't notice that. Um, uh, What are most people involved in instead of that? Well, everything, right? They're involved in, you know, Pokemon Go. They're involved in uh, their career They're involved in uh, what they're worried about. They're involved in politics. They're involved in um, knitting and crochet or something. Who knows? There's so much to be involved in. And we've, as a society, we've mastered the art of entertainment and involvement and keeping attention stimulated with fun stuff like new, colorful, bright things in the room all the time. Yep. And so... And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fabulous. Except, uh, it's not helping us notice this fundamental thing. And without noticing the fundamental thing, awareness itself, we kind of miss uh, the most important thing about our lives. And so in other words, you can kind of distract yourself to death and distract yourself yeah. till you for it, yeah. and never notice what's really going on. And it's worth noticing what's really going on. And honestly, to do it at least to a reasonable degree is just not that hard. Yeah, you know, it's just yep. not that hard. Um, teachers have known for thousands of years that you can take just some person off the street an average person off the street and with a little pointing out instruction at least get them to notice regular old awareness uh, itself at least for a moment yeah at least for a moment and that's pretty shocking like it just with someone who knows what they're doing they can point to this important feature of your own experience Uh, For most people, not for everyone, but for an average person off the street, they can show you how to notice that in two minutes or three minutes, at least for a second. And I think that's kind of amazing. Um, It's not that hard. What's hard is, of course, then sustaining that noticing of awareness and, of course, going from regular old um, uh, awareness where everything's reified to awake awareness where nothing's reified. Right. So there's a lot going on in there, but in another way, it's just not that hard to begin. It's just nothing in our society, nothing at all, uh, in the regular part of society anyway, supports you noticing that everything supports you not. Noticing yeah. Yeah.
0: it's so yeah. cool. So then would you say that these like very, uh, childlike analogies, um, like, um, like helping someone realize that they've been, uh, sort of paying a lot of attention to the words on the page and then to sort of recognize the paper that the words are written on, um, and then to collapse the duality between those two. Um, and would you say that that, um, and like maybe the, uh, the fish in the ocean analogy, um, and these, um, Would you say that that's uh, one of the easiest sort of ways uh, when you serve others that are uh, seeking and trying to um, understand what their true nature is, you kind of give them these very fundamental kind of childlike analogies and you found that to be useful? I definitely have.
1: Yeah. The analogies are useful. It's helping to point to what we're trying to point at. Right. So um, the analogies are useful being pointed to the thing is useful. Yes. Um, I find that most people, including me, especially me, um, need to hear this stuff over and over and over and over and over because it's not about the content of, like the intellectual content. It doesn't really help very much. That's all analogies are so great. Nice. Um, yeah. It's about hearing it over and over and over enough times to start actually noticing it in your experience and then, more importantly, stabilizing that noticing.
0: Yes. Cool. So then you would say that um, generally the shift that um, you're serving people with is to notice um, that the thoughts and the appearances are like the words on the page and then to sort of recognize the paper and then to stabilize. Um, in the paper and then co- to collapse the duality, that that's typically the way that you're uh, addressing this.
1: That's typically the way, but there's a million ways. That's kind of an overview. There's a million uh, tactical, uh, detailed ways uh, to fulfill that for folks. And um, I would also say it's really important to remember that in the long run, uh, all the material, all the thoughts and emotions and external world and you know all the things that are going on in awareness are um, just as important just as non-dual just as fabulously interesting Um, but simply uh, we need to get them out of the way long enough or calm them down long enough so that we can see the awareness right we want to show you some pretty blank pages so you can Remember what it's like to look at a page. But once that gets, you know, kind of stable, then allowing thought and allowing feeling and allowing the world to come back in, that's the real non-duality, right? That's what it means, that the words on the page actually aren't separate. We just, most people have to go through this process of kind of, you know, um, getting into pretty blank pages to just to notice it and stabilize it. Yeah. And in
0: terms of all the different, like tactful, um, approaches <laughs> to this, like, have you noticed, a, a powerful pattern, um, where there's a, um, a specific way that works most, um, most of the time for people,
1: no and this is for a very important reason and the important reason is that everybody is really different and if there was one right way you know these all the techniques that we use for this have been around for thousands of years you know if there was one way that was so much better than the others it would have taken over a millennium ago and all the other ones would just be forgotten because No one wants to spend extra time or effort learning this, right? Everyone wants to do this as quickly as possible. But it turns out that, and you know, I've been teaching for a long time and I've taught a lot of people and it's like, what one-on-one, not in big groups. And what do you notice when you work with people one-on-one? Man, their minds are really different. And so um, that said, even though there's not one right way, you know there are a few standard, uh, let's say let's say a palette of five or six kind of general directions that really help, but I don't think there's one big panacea. You know, or one big solution. Woo. Just change sides. <laughs> At yeah. least I can see you now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, the internet connection is a bit more stable also. Um, yeah. You were talking about how um, the, um, there's not just a single uh, pointing that's most efficient or there's not a single, there's not really a single pattern per se that is uh, most Uh, successful at getting people to deconstruct themselves, but you do find there's like some sort of a power law though, of like the most common things that people sort of let go of or dissolve on their path.
1: Yeah. It's not about the power law part. It's about that. There's, you know, instead of being one right way, there's several ways, you know, and, um, uh, we know these, Right. Again, like I say, most of these techniques are thousands of years old. So um, for some people, we do an elaborate deconstruction of these sensory streams, you know, like, okay, notice that your thoughts are dissolving all the time and not stable. And if we want to, you know, get Buddhist, we can say they're impermanent and empty. Um, Now notice that your emotions are the same way. Now notice that your body sensations are the same way. And we just walk them through that uh, uh, deconstruction of these sensory streams. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, traditions that use that because that works for a lot of people. But it's not the only way, right? Another way is inquiry, right? We can start asking questions that when you really try to find the answers to those questions, not in your mind, not conceptually, but looking directly, looking directly, looking directly, it starts to uh, either some of them deconstruct or some of the other ones just point to the awareness directly uh, in a questioning way. So inquiry works really well. Um, uh, of course, um, sometimes um, uh, the initial pointing to awareness can happen from drug experiences or altered states brought about even by injury and stuff but you can that clears the decks enough um there's also just the shamatha route which you know um won't necessarily take you all the way but the kind of just stilling and calming stilling and calming the thoughts and the mind till again so there's fewer emotions and fewer thoughts so metaphorically fewer words on the page and so it's just easier to see the page yeah. um and you know so those are four I think four major uh, ways of doing it and then there's just the um you know kind of like direct pointing right now see it as the only technique right and that one is always touted as the purest and the quickest and all that, but actually might be philosophically pure or something, but I don't know what the real numbers are, but I bet only one in 100,000 people gets anywhere using that. Of course, the ones who do get there very fast and that that's great, so it's not useless. Um, and it is good for, like I said, doing, that, doing the trick where you can show uh, a naive subject off the street, show them their own uh, awareness at, uh, in just a couple minutes, right? So it does have that sort of glimpse quality. And I could go on with a few more, but you get the idea there's different routes in. Some people dissolve the mind through just love, right? So some kind of devotion or love and it kind of uh, dissolves the mind and then, um, if they can just notice that behind the object of devotion or within the object of devotion, there's this field of awareness, right? then that—that's another way. You know, in my term, all of those in the in sort of the most in the broadest sense are are deconstructing the self. But um, when I When I came up with that title for a blog 10 years ago, I was talking about the elaborate Vipassana-style deconstruction of the sensory streams method. But over time, I've seen how really all those methods um, you could call deconstructing the self. And if I was to be a little more um, inclusive, I'd say deconstructing self and world, because it's also external sight and sound and stuff that needs to be seen as empty.
0: Very cool. Yeah, so deconstructing self and world. Cool. And then, so you found that, because um, uh, I, I do feel like this is probably the most, at least uh, one of the most simple also, is um, just recognizing that the amount of words that are showing up on the page, like as thoughts and sensations and... Um, And uh, triggering your identity and your likes and dislikes and all of that, Um, that quieting down the amount of words that are appearing um, and becoming aware of like the arising and passing of the words um, enables one to sort of realize and then stabilize um, a lot more uh, quickly
1: yeah that does really help and yet for some people other ways work better and um also again remembering that the words and likes and dislikes and all that aren't actually in the way they just appear to be in the way and so uh because they're on the page too right so in the long run we we don't want to make it somehow that those are the enemy or we got to get rid of them it's just a temporary um temporary yeah. expedient way to see the page more clearly but yeah it's, it is of course very helpful
0: cool yeah and then so that that really resonates with um then um so you would say like with uh stable with realization and stabilization then comes uh, the collapsing of the duality and um sort of not for everybody but the um sort of the bodhisattva essence ends up sort of uh streaming through that there's nothing better to do with my time than at least uh, try and serve those that are seeking, um, to understand what their nature is.
1: Yeah. Um, part of it is honestly that, um, there's, there's a couple things. One, you know, it's not about me or my time anymore because you don't even think that way as much. That's still, thought and feeling and identity type motivation, right? It's good motivation, but over time, it doesn't quite come up like that. It's more like, uh, it's gonna sound really grandiose and cosmic, but I don't mean it that way, but it tends to sound that way, um, you know, just sort of like uh, the world itself is doing it. Um, yeah, Taking those bodies by actions. But if we're going to do it in terms of like personal thought and feeling, um, you know, the the maybe one of the worst phases of my own practice is the phase where I decide I'm going to be all compassionate and um, and really help people and so on, um, because. I mean, it's better than the opposite. It's better than not helping people, for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's better than being a dick. Um, But it's also filled with, um, you know, in the background anyway, there's a kind of condescension and arrogance, and I'm, you know, I'm the one who is being the bodhisattva. That can be there a little bit uh, if, if identity isn't, fully dissolved, if thoughts and feelings, if you're still coming from thoughts and feelings instead of from awake awareness itself. Um, but I will say that even on that level, um, the motivation that I find arising for myself and others most commonly is just, you um, it's just so hard to watch people be in so much pain when you know that their thoughts and feelings are the cause of all that pain, right? It's like, oh man, you're really suffering. And if you just saw, so much of that suffering would be gone. And, you know... If you just saw this one thing, you know. Uh, but it turns out that that motivation, hey, I'd love to show you this thing, that comes up in teaching, and that's great. But for the bodhisattva walking around on the street, you know, telling your friend, like, your friend, like, just imagine your friend comes to you and they're like, I have a terrible stomach ache. I might have to go to the hospital and get my stomach pumped. And my partner is really, um, needs my help moving right now. And so I'm really upset because my stomach is sick and I need to help my partner, like that kind of thing. And even though like it might come up like, hey, uh, I wish you could just see awareness itself right now because you'd see how empty all those thoughts and feelings are. Saying that is not helpful. I guarantee you, they will hate you. And so, even though the urge is to just be like, "I wish you could see um, that gets translated into, "Hey, i'll you know, I'll take you to the hospital or hey, I'll help your partner move or whatever." you know, it's just translated into a different kind of action, except when we're teaching. and then that's people who are coming to hear that thing directly. I have found if you you know if you try to kind of put it on people like, Hey, if you only knew this one, you know, and it it's it's horrible. And it it's uh it's actually kind of awful. So yeah, the bodhisattva thing, the the helping others starts to arise naturally. You just can't help it. But it takes a little while to um get how to do it effectively. I I still don't do it very effectively. <laughs> yeah but the mood is like you know if you most people like let's say you um you found a little kitten and the kitten was like dirty and scraped up and bleeding and starving and like there was patches on its skin and it was severely suffering let's say it's also cold and it's meowing at you, you know, uh, mewing, begging for help. Um, You know, it's not like, it's not like this big vow is required. Anybody who's not a sociopath or deeply allergic to cats or whatever would um, help that little kitten. They would warm it up and clean up its wounds and and clean up uh, its fur and give it some food and hug it. it it's just in us. And, and so that's, it just starts to be, oh, you're suffering, how can I help? Oh, yeah, man, how can I help? It's just natural. And I, the grandiosity of the vow, I feel like sometimes really gets in the way yeah. of this just basic kindness that's there. Yeah.
0: So, if you were to sort of break down then the like um, the individual's uh, room, like we used this analogy earlier, the room um, yeah. or yeah. the yeah the page um, that well like you would say that the most common things that are appearing and disappearing in the room um, or on the page. Um, you would say that those are related to the sense of self, the sense of world, um, the, um, and to sort of investigate um, what the sense of self actually is, to investigate what the room without uh, appearances and disappearances actually is, or what the substrate um, that enables uh, the objects or the thoughts to appear and disappear. Um, you, you would say that that style of inquiry, uh, into like the fundamental substrate, um, is, uh, is one of the top though ways.
1: Sure. Of course. I mean, that's, that's supported by all the tradition and it's supported by practice. Um, you know, do you need to dissolve the substrate, and break into substrate consciousness uh completely before you can notice your own awareness uh fuck no you know i can take a person off the street and show them at least regular awareness right it's it's and maybe if they're a little bit talented even get a, a little deeper than that and you know people who have definitely not dissolved the substrate consciousness in some kind of deep cessation um Can still experience awake awareness. It's hard, you know, but doing vipassana style deconstruction absolutely can experience and can stabilize it. And, however, it is true that if you want to um, deeply stabilize it in a a profoundly um, unshakable way, then penetrating. Uh, deeply, you know, we're using all these technical terms now, you know, into substrate consciousness is probably the best. Yeah. But how you get there, again, if you've already been noticing awake awareness and that's already stabilizing and you're good at Vipassana, it might not be <clears throat> just old, you know, shamatha that gets you there. So, um, so yeah. Lots of people, you know, have you have you talked to Henry Shukman? right? You know, he's he just got to substrate consciousness sitting on the beach when he was 19. No drugs, no meditation, didn't give any, you know, didn't give a rat's ass about meditation. Just sit on the beach woo, woo, penetrates the substrate. So it's not necessarily the case that everyone must do it in that way. You know, it's, uh, uh, there's lots of different methods. And also, like I keep saying, that's sort of, uh, the, the most efficacious over time in terms of deep, 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 deep stabilization. But yeah. So,
0: and now if we were to, um, investigate into, um, how or like what is mostly in the way of, um, the individual, um, Penetrating uh, substrate consciousness, let's say, or the individual recognizing the room or the page or the ocean those um, are
1: different things, but okay
0: <laughs> okay, cool so you you take um like substrate consciousness to be different than uh, room and page and ocean, and then why?
1: well, um not, what I'm saying is that, as I just said, you can recognize awake awareness without penetrating it so putting those oh, things. You mean,
0: oh, okay. You mean glimpsing. Is that right then?
1: Yeah. And even yeah. stabilizing glimpsing, you know? So oh, okay. I'm just, saying, you know, putting those all together as one formula is is a little uh, too much.
0: Okay. Okay. So you would say that like glimpsing and then uh, stabilizing and then substrate consciousness, sort of some sort of an order like that.
1: That's not the normal order, but what I'm saying is that order is possible. Yeah. And for a lot of people it's easier because just sitting there, bored out of your mind, trying to do shamatha, that's like monk stuff, right? That's retreat stuff. It takes a long, 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 long time. Whereas if you can be pointed to awake awareness first, get some glimpsing, and maybe even through vipassana and stuff, some good stabilization, then doing the shamatha will be quite a bit easier because you've already cut through so much of the material.
0: But and what you know, be... you're
1: saying, what gets in the way? Um, yeah. Everything gets in the way, Atlas. <laughs> you know? Everything yeah. that's not just awareness is something totally. that people can get attached to and get focused on and just think is solid and real. And and so it becomes absorbing, right? And, um, uh, and so... There's, we have to start to be able to notice our own uh, grabbing on that moment when the mind grabs onto an object and then the tension of that grab. So, you know, like the Vedana and the the contact and the Vedana and the, the, um, Trishna, like that whole move um if you can learn to recognize that that that's generally applicable so then it doesn't matter if it's what's coming up and um the other thing is uh that we can learn to which is slightly different but rela- related but slightly different we can some people are just really good at seeing or noticing realizing emptiness in a general way and so You start to be able to apply that to more and more things what what usually gets hard even if under really laboratory conditions of stillness and stability even if you're good there at awake awareness non-duality real stability what gets hard is that then you go out and you know get in a fight with your your girlfriend and all of that's out the window because the thoughts and feelings are so so good uh, You've yeah, grabbed
0: on so the... right. I love that, and it, it it actually it actually speaks so um, beautifully to the integration phase, um, because nobody gives a shit if you're uh, on a mountaintop. Um, right? We just we just don't, um, but we do care if you can take what you've. <clears throat> investigate it in your deconstruction and then apply it in mainstream reality um so then when you are with your family with your friends um for you to be like relaxed away from fixation and grasping um people are gonna really turn and look and be like how is that person so calm how is that person so loving and so compassionate and so that's like your basic like mainstream sort of way of of um of, of like phrasing it. Cause it really does boil down to like love and compassion, um, relaxation, non-fixation, non-grasping. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I do, I do really, um, you said earlier, um, <clears throat> that, um, like if we were to call, let's say, um, um, recognizing true nature as uh, substrate consciousness, or or the one, or infinity, or emptiness, um, and then collapse the um, the du- <coughs> collapse the duality to recognize that even the world is um, the absolute, or or God, or Brahman, or whatever, um, and the individual lost in their ego and separation is also still God and the absolute, Brahman, etc. Um, that um, the main inhibitors um, from the turn inward, let's say, in deconstructing yourself. So, like what, like, what is, like, this is, I think this is probably what is most relatable, I think, for people, like, looking back at my journey, and if I was to be able to share with myself at a younger age, like, what, what would be the main things? Um, I would say that the words that pop up on the page that are associated with a sense of self um, So it's sort of like identity and separation. So like the conditioning of separation, um, being probably like the biggest one and then, um, fix and then when sensation, so it's like not being, um, aware and awake to sensation because then when the sensation arises that it creates a trigger cascade rather than dissolving into emptiness before, you know, you're fixating and grasping again, um, with your preferences. So, Would you say that if you were to say like two main things, let's say, that are blocking um, uh, the recognition of true nature, would you say it's identity and sensation? Or what would you say is there?
1: Um, It's believing the dream. That's it. That's what's blocking. You know, Um, there's a reason they call noticing this uh, awakening. They call it awakening. And that's a really, really important term. Remember, the Buddha didn't call himself enlightened. He called himself awake. That's what the word Buddha means. Buddha means awake. He he said, I'm awake. What is he awake to? He's awake from the dream of self and world and uh, awake to the fact that this is all um, occurring within and of awake awareness right it's the awareness itself is what we're awake to and so the biggest blocker is just believing the dream yeah and as as soon as you become lucid in the dream of your life that's awakeness right now you're in awake awareness and so there's and it's you know of course this is a kind of a metaphor but it's a really really good metaphor that feeling you have when uh, just, you know, you're in a dream. Let's say I had kind of an uncomfortable, emotionally not that fun dream, not really a nightmare, but just, you know, not such a great dream. And then you become lucid in the dream and you realize, oh, oh that's just a dream. <laughs> you know, that's awakening. All the, the the person you are in that dream the other people in that dream, all the situation in that dream, it's not that it's not there because you're having a whole experience of it. It would be ridiculous to say it's not there. But in another way, it's not there in the way you thought it was. It's really, really different. So to me, that's the important point. Wake up to the fact of the dream. That's awakening, right? And then, And so that's the biggest blocker is we stay asleep. And so another way to conceptualize how to kind of lift ourselves out of this to wake ourselves up, um, you know, I've given all these different methods. Another way to talk about it or to conceptualize it is that we're raising our energy, you know, uh, like literally the embodied part of this, raising the energy um, to, to like, overclock our sleepy brains a little bit so that there's enough energy there to see, to wake up instead of go back to sleep. Oh, let's watch, let's watch another movie. Boo, just go back into a dream within a dream within a dream. And your brain settles into kind of this mushy soup. And so there's a there's a physical way to go here where we you know energize and uplift our energy so that there's enough wakefulness present to cut through right to wake up to become lucid in the dream of life what's interesting there is like um having done a tremendous amount of kundalini yoga in various traditions and you know pranayamas and all that i really like all that stuff that embodied energetic awakening what's funny is that can go horribly around because um you are still if you don't have any training and you're still caught in um, neurotic obsessions, like everything is still very reified and solid and real-seeming, instead of waking up from the dream, all that energy will just get co-opted by your neuroses, and you'll just get more and more and more and more and more manic and involved in the dream. And so it's really important when we do the um, physical energizing uplift thing that we use that wisely to cut through right and knowing the difference between cutting through and just getting more involved in the dream cut through is the same thing as waking up right we're waking up yeah. to the dream yeah. so to yeah. me that's the biggest block is like we're asleep <laughs> stop sleeping wake up there's lots of ways to stop sleeping when you know i feel like your question in a way is saying which part of the dream do people get caught on the most yeah yeah Yeah.
0: which part part of the dream do people get um tied up in the most yeah
1: yeah and the answer is people are different they get caught up in different parts of the dream but you're right it's usually something about me you know something about who i think i am in that dream and what it means about who i am and Blah blah blah. Yeah. So yeah, and not,
0: and not the and not the who I am being the dreamer itself, but the who I am being the contracted identity of a separate right. individual. So, but I feel
1: <clears like throat> this the focusing on on the content, like what content's more powerful or whatever, it's useful and it helps us to do vipassana or more likely vipassana and so on. But it's still pointing at the stuff, pointing at the content. And instead, let's point at the wakefulness. Wake up, wake up from that content right now. Right? Nice, that's nice. important.
0: Nice. Okay, so you're when when you're when you're cutting through um, the clouds, the thoughts, the words, um, sensations, identities. Um, you're recognizing awake awareness you're recognizing the sun or the paper or the ocean uh, or the room and then you stabilize in that and then you uh, naturally express yourself more and more in service um, to the rest of life uh, awakening so in a sense it's um I, i like how you prioritize believing the dream as uh as the top um way that we get um uh distracted uh fixated um yeah, that, that does resonate a lot. So believing the dream itself, uh, is at the top. And so to wake up from the dream is to recognize yourself as the very dreamer, which is one infinite formless intelligence.
1: Yeah. Although that's a whole bunch of ideas on top of it. And, and I would just say, yes, wake up, wake up from that dream. And, um, and furthermore, um, you know yes there's the content and our identity and stuff but if you really want a lot of help stabilizing uh stabilizing your awake awareness go do some therapy you know do some some attachment work do some internal family systems get if there's a couple big gnarly traumas going on or something those are always going to stop that stabilization and so you know, uh, people usually put the sequence like wake up and then clean up and grow up and show up. But it, uh, the, the cleaning up helps the waking up and the waking up helps the cleaning up. And so actually doing good psychological work, whether that's, you know, with a paid therapist in an office or whether it's with informed peers who, you know, you're working together with uh Uh, sort of on the same level, that kind of deep psychological work like IFS or EMDR or all that stuff really actually deeply helps the awakening process because it's eliminating the unconscious blockages.
0: Yes, totally.
1: And... the. Another thing that comes up really often is people start to wake up from the dream. So they're doing the thing, they're start, they're getting it. And then they get scared. I see this literally every single day, not most days, every single day. Someone starts to really wake up and then they get scared. And why do they get scared? Uh, because they feel like they're gonna be annihilated they feel like they're gonna go away they feel like nothing's gonna matter they feel like they'll be you know a hole in the world or something and where does that fear come from it comes from believing your identity as the dream character oh my god if i wake up from this dream dream character will a. well not necessarily um you know you can be lucid in the dream the character's still there it didn't go away but uh, you you don't believe you're really them anymore. Uh, but even if they did go away, you, the metaphor applies. Like, you'll be fine. And actually better than fine. And what's so interesting is uh, for people who are having that fear come up, all you really need to do is expose yourself. Expose that dream to awakening. Expose your you know, neurotic uh, um, self of thought and feeling, supposed self of thought and feeling, expose that to some awake awareness again and again and again and again and again in hundreds and thousands of glimpses, eventually it realizes no matter how many times we do that, even though I get scared, no matter how many times we do that, I don't actually die. (laughs) <laughs> nothing bad happens um, and so it, eventually the fear calms down and you're fine but this is a real this. if you want to know a block that's a genuine block people get scared because they don't want to disappear and it's just like saying I didn't want to wake up from the dream you're going to wake up and you're going to be fine <laughs> nobody dies from awakening
0: I agree with you. I agree with you a lot. It's actually happened to me several times um, in this last year is um, sort of going into some sort of like a, <clears throat> in a sense, it was like a nervous system shock and um, like a, definitely a fear, definitely a scaredness, definitely a, um, like a sort of a seeing through the, the, the character and, um, and then uh and yeah you can sort of sense the character not wanting to let go um and then you realize that you know there's only one of you and and um and so there's no more duality between the the character and the space that enables the character um and so then you uh well at least i have been yeah just associating myself more with what uh powers uh the character and powers life itself powers the universe um, Rather than the than the um, individual um, perspective, um, and then um, yeah, it uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of other things here. I like how um, I like how you said um, that the shadow or unconscious um, is something to investigate, and in that process, you can sort of find things like um, your core lack beliefs of things like wanting to be seen or feeling unworthy. Um, or seeking validation. And when you sort of um, put the light of awareness on those things, you recognize um, you sort of liberate yourself from those shadows and from those unconscious, which then um, enables you to, you know, be more free when a sensation arises, you can um, be more free rather than get triggered into um, seeking worthiness uh, and validation from people. Um, I've noticed that's been that's been huge. And then I also really like how, uh, yeah. And throughout all those glimpses, um, there's never a time when um, the character just disappears. The character never disappears. The character is um, the dream at the same time. And so um, I like how you say a uh, wake up. I think that that's really good. I think that that's most direct, most clear. Um, I think it doesn't have many. Uh, I do feel like uh, I'm slowly becoming less and less conceptual. Um, I'm becoming just more and more. Um, you know, just finding the most optimal ways to just point at this. And it really is true. Just those two words, you know, wake up, just wake up. Um, and, and I think that that maybe makes people go like, what does that mean? Like waking up, wake up from what? Um, and I, I love that, Michael, I love that.
1: Yeah. Wake up from what? That's a good question. (laughs) It's a good inquiry question to look into, you know?
0: And how would you answer that to somebody that asks you that?
1: I'd say, look, I don't answer that question because it's an inquiry question. I can't answer your inquiry question. All I can say is, yeah, look at that right now. You know, look, in your own yeah. experience. What, what, do you, what can you wake up from, you know, right now? <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like,
0: I like how you take their attention to, you know, right now. Yeah, right now. Look at what you could wake up from. That's so nice.
1: Yeah, um, uh, for many people, you know, they're just too involved in the, this as a concept, and it's like just drop all that and look right now. For other people, um, they're they're just really caught up in emotions. For a lot of folks, emotions are so big and so intense and so compelling that. Um, uh, whenever it's you know it starts to open up instead they go to the emotion and again it's not that thoughts and emotions aren't it but they're just if we get involved with them they start to uh, take over right Uh, um, and so we want to look I keep thinking about and we want to look right now I keep thinking about the famous Zen story right of the first Zen patriarch so an Indian guy a guy from North India goes to China and uh, is the founder of Zen, right? Or Chan, Chana. And um, he's he's there teaching his first students to meditate. And one of his students comes to him and is like, Master, uh, you know, uh, my mind is so upset. Can you help me? I can't meditate because my mind is just too upset. Can you help me? And Bodhidharma is, who's this, you know, the Zen master and the first Zen master is kind of, kind of a hard ass, <laughs> just a little bit of a hard ass. And uh, he, he tells the guy, uh, he gives him an inquiry question, although he doesn't sound like one, but it is one. It's like a koan, right? He says, um, okay, I can help your mind but first you have to bring it to me. So bring me your mind and I will fix it so that you can meditate." So that's a koan, right? How do I bring him my mind? Where is my mind, right? But he doesn't say any of that. He just says, bring me your mind. And so the student goes off and it doesn't say whether it's a day later or 10 years later, but student comes back and says, "Um, Master, I'm sorry, I can't find my mind. And Bodhidharma, Gives the big Zen slap in the face. He says, see, I fixed it. Um, and that that's an example of, of like just look. You've got this big problem, but look, what are we, what are we trying to get li- you're trying to get liberated from that problem, but do you even know what it is? Go try to find it. Right? It's really fascinating. Like if we there's no part of our experience. That doesn't lead back to, eventually lead back to awareness and even awake awareness. There's no part. You can look at your big toe long enough. It will lead you back to uh, Your the ground of being, your, your true being, or however we want to talk about it. Um, and so in that way, reality is like a knitted sweater. And you kind of just pull any any piece of of the yarn and just start pulling and pulling and pulling and the whole thing will just unravel as long as you really look really look right now you know so that's how what i that's the longer answer to what would i say if they asked me um what i mean by uh, look at what you're trying to get liberated from
0: Yep. Yeah. I love I love that point too because it uh, it definitely accelerates the process to see that um, yeah bring bring me the mind or bring me separation bring me the ego um, show it to me um, and I think that that's really um, so good so powerful
1: right but as an as a direct inquiry question it's usually phrased as where is your mind? But in, you know, traditions like Mahamudra, they go really overboard with it in a way I love. So like, um, what's the color of your mind? What's the shape of your mind? Is it round? Is it square? You know, where's your mind located? Um, what's the, what's the, sound, the texture of your mind? They ask a bunch of questions like that. And if you're coming from the intellect, you just can't get anywhere with it. <coughs> It's like, that's a ridiculous question, and, and it doesn't help at all. But if you look, and you actually try and answer the question, like if I say, Atlas, what's the shape of your mind? And you look, is it round? Is it a cube? Is it a sphere? What is it? And you look for real without just thinking, I already know the answer. And you look, you can't find a mind to give a shape, right? And so they just go through a long series of inquiry questions just about that. It's very, very helpful. The thing that we're so concerned with all day is our mind, right? Like, how do I feel? And by how do I feel, we mean, you know, what are my thoughts and feelings like? That's our mind and the the small M mind. And um, it's not that hard to notice that you can't even find the damn thing. You know, it's not located anywhere.
0: Do you also use the analogy of uh, the the space that enables the musical notes?
1: I don't use that one, but sounds like a good metaphor to me or analogy to me. It makes sense. I've just never said that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then when you talk about the. Um, so do you also create a, um, a differentiation in uh, self with the lowercase s and the capital S?
1: You know, that's like an Advaita thing to do, so I understand it. I don't usually talk that way because I'm mainly talking to Buddhists, and they freak out if you use the word self. So, um, but I'm conversant; I can talk that way. You know, Do,
0: do you do you see another way to say this? Is do you see capital S self and no self or anatta as the same thing? Yes. Yeah,
1: I do too. As, as long yeah. as, you know, well, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I, I could put some caveats in there, but yeah. 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 Generally
0: speaking, for sure. Cool. Um, what would be your caveats there?
1: Well, simply to not go into each one of them. It depends on what you mean by each of those terms, but, but yeah, it kind of a general way. Sure.
0: Cool. Yeah. When Whenever I think of um, deconstructing yourself, I think of uh, realization of no self, which then is realization of capital S self. That's sort of how I would say sure. it. Sure.
1: Yep. Uh, you know, these are uh, there's lots of language we can use to describe the same thing, for sure. Cool.
0: Um, yeah. I've, I've actually found that to be um, also helpful is to do things like share that um, perhaps um, the argument of uh, no self versus self is actually pointing to um, the same thing. And, um, and another good one is um, um, perhaps um, the, uh, the duality of, of uh, impermanence and permanence also collapses as well, where you start by seeing the words that are all impermanent and then you recognize the permanent nature of The paper and then you collapse that duality as well so it plays into uh, many i would say like buddhist and uh, hindu uh, ideologies that um, you can sort of begin collapsing or another way to say it is you can begin um um, recognizing that the pointing is the same using different words
1: yeah i mean i i think that um, uh, awakening and liberation is a human experience Any human anywhere can have that experience. What they're going to call it and how they're going to conceptualize it and so on is going to totally depend on their culture and their language and their belief systems and all that. But um, I'm of the opinion that the experience is the same everywhere. It's a human experience.
0: Yeah. And then I would say there's also different, in a sense, flavors of it also. So there's like different ways to like liberate yourself from the, as we've talked about throughout the show, there's just different flavors of liberation, of uh, realization, stabilization. Um, so so that that plays into this whole thing with the different um, paths or the different traditions or the different ways to um, become one with true nature, that type of thing. But um, definitely at the end point is the top of the mountain, you could say.
1: The endpoint is coming back down from the mountain and realizing the non-duality of enlightenment and non-enlightenment.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So once you, once you realize, you realize the top is the bottom. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel really good. I feel uh, really complete. Do you uh, Do you feel complete? You feel good about the convo?
1: Oh sure. Absolutely. It's a real pleasure uh, that you invite me to come on here and I can spout off and pretend I know it all.
0: (laughs) It's so nice. (laughs) It is. It's really nice. Especially I've been, uh, I've been following your work and I've also been um, uh, becoming better friends with Frank Yang, who highly recommends you. And um, you guys have obviously become closer friends as well. And so um, we'll, uh, we, I also talked to Frank about potentially us three getting on a show together. So maybe we do that in uh, the next couple of months. So there's a lot of different fun ways to, to play on this.
1: That sounds great. S. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: So cool. So awesome. And then thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, infinite love for you. Thank you. We would love for you to check out the links in the bio below to Deconstructing Yourself also to Michael's YouTube channel. You can check that out as well. Um, you can check out all of his content on his website. Um, go and support him if you find uh, what he shares to be really useful and, uh, and enriching. And also like the video if it brought you value. Um, drop us a comment with your thoughts on the video. Subscribe if you haven't to the channel. Share the video with other people that you feel like this would uh, help. And that's all. Thanks, everyone. We love you. And uh, we'll see you soon. I'll, uh, I'll go it. ahead and I' I'll, I'll, uh, I'll end the I'll end the stream and we'll stay in the studio for a minute. okay, Michael.
1: Great.